Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me again on another episode of the Born to Talk radio show. You are in for a treat. My guest today is Dr. Erica Miller. Welcome to the show, Erica. Thank you. I'm very excited. Me because too. Because I'm, I'm a storyteller. All right, go ahead. I know you are. So let me just tell our listeners just a teeny bit about you. So Erica is an international best-selling author. She's an inspirational speaker. You will see that when we speak today. She is an entrepreneur. She has a Ph.D. in clinical psychology, and Erica is also a Holocaust survivor. But when I tell you she lives her life with guts, grit, and gusto, that's what you're going to hear today. So, Erica, I thought we could start off by having you just tell our audience a little bit about where you were born and sort of the background of your life, if you would, please. Sure, but first I have to say the name of your show, Born to Talk, is so relevant to me uh, in our conversation because when I was little, and I will tell you in a second, uh, and the Nazis and the mayhem I could not talk. My mother had her hand over my face, over my mouth, so I did not have a voice. Boy, am I making up for it now. Okay, <laughs> that was just an interlude. Okay, here we go. Okay. Well, yes, again, ma'am. I had a no, I had, you know what, it's amazing um, the length of life I've had, the privilege to be here. Uh, a girl is not supposed to give her age, but I'm 87. In three years, I'll be 90. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for the gift of life because, again, being uh, from 7 to 11 in a camp in Ukraine uh, by the Nazis in Romania. I was born in Romania. I had a normal life with my family, Papa, Mama, my sister, my cousins, all in a compound in Chernobyl. It used to be uh, Austria, and my mother tongue is German. So when I was seven, mayhem started. I mean, you're a little kid. You don't know what's going on. You see the contorted faces of your parents, and you want to know what goes on there. And we were hiding in the attic, you know, what in the, in the noise of the dogs and the Nazis oh. screaming, you know, dirty Jews, where are you? And I could not comprehend. Uh, I'm not dirty. Why am I the dirty Jew? Mama, Papa. And the only thing I heard, don't talk. Be quiet. So anyways, that, was, that is that a memory. I have a lot of lapses in my memory. And that's what trauma is all about. So then we ended up at a, a, stain, a train station to be hoarded with all those other Jews, mayhem, killings, uh, grabbing babies. Whatever it is, I see it. 
uh, it's like I'm lucky that I'm so detached that I do not suffer. I just can see what happened to me. And then, not just to me, obviously. So between 7-11, I was encamped. It was a holding camp. And they didn't get to us quick enough to the ovens or whatever. They were taking different stations. Russians liberated us, liberated us in 1940. I think it was 45 the return, just lucky. I mean, I have, I, I don't have enough time. Audience, mm-hmm. dear audience, I can go on forever, so I need to be mindful of the time frame. But again, four years is a long time. I was seven years old. And don't remember quite a few things, but I remember looking out the little window, you know, seeing those dead bodies being picked up every day. People died from starvation and typhoid. They were not killed yet. And I looked out there and I thought, they're so ugly. Maybe I will be dead tomorrow. So I want to pose to just die pretty. Guess what? I'm still posing. And I'm not vain, but I like to look good. I like to die pretty. So it's like, uh, yeah, my age, nobody gives it to me. I, I hike mountains, Mount Everest, Machu Picchu. Uh, again, uh, jump out of a plane. I am absolutely fearless but not stupid. It's like, don't tell me because I'm Jewish, I have to die. Don't tell me because I'm a girl, I cannot climb the trees with the boys. And clearly, don't tell me that I cannot be married, have kids in a profession. So destiny had it. After the war, we somehow initiated, like, like cadavers, they, we kind of walked back home. And then in 49, they opened the gates to uh, Israel by now, because in 48, it was, it was still, you know, Palestine. So we went to Israel. And there I went to the Israeli Air Force. I graduated high school. And more and more, I mean, Oh, those pilots, are you kidding me? They were gorgeous. I still have crushes on them. <laughs> and then Destiny, Destiny had it. I came here to Los Angeles, met my husband. I was married 53 years. He died eight years ago. So sorry he left, but I'm still here. So when I had a husband and two kids, when, when my son went first grade, I went back to school in eight years nonstop. I got my PhD in psychology, opened 10 mental health clinics. I needed to heal. I always had a vision. And the rest is history. And I'm going to shut up so you, Marsha, can ask me more questions. <laughs> Let me just tell you, Erica, if you shut up, then I'm not going to have a guest. <laughs> so I've got to ask you something before, before – I, I, just, I just have to ask this because maybe there are people who are wondering the exact same thing. You were in the Israeli Air Force for two years. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. could not have been common. Is that right? I'm, how many women were in the Air Force when you were in the Air Force? Okay, I, I don't brag. I share. I have no, no fake news. I do not remember one girl that was in my pilot in the section in the Air Force because the girls, you know, we women, you know, but we can get away with things even in Israel because it's commanded uh, of girls and boys go to the uh, Army or Air Force or Marine. Right. But girls, if you get married, if you say you're Orthodox, you don't have to go. Guess what? And I'm not a saint. 
I felt I had such a need to serve the country, to be a majority instead of being a minority. I was always scared looking over my shoulder because Romania was a Catholic country. So I just, I just said, I'm going, to, I'm going to go. And my mother was so worried, why don't you marry Moishe, whatever. And I said, no, I don't need a man. So I said, I want to go to the Air Force, never mind to the regular, because I want to wear the Navy uniform and the pilots are gorgeous. And they said, how, how are you going to make it? I mean, it's so hard to get in there. Watch me. And this is my mantra, <laughs> too. Watch me. So I just, you know, but I'm not in La La Land. I, I, I'm not. But again, I did go into the airport, and because I had high school degree, nobody went to school those days, especially not girls. Uh, school was not in. Working was. I two jobs during the day in Israel for eight years. I was there, and at night I went to high school for three years, and I had my high school diploma. So I got this wonderful job in the Air Force after, you know, the training with the guns, with all that kind of thing, uh, to be part of the the pilot school at at the northern part of Israel. And I could go on forever, the feeling of resilience that I am am in the Air Force. I make a difference. I, I I give part of me to the country. And I can, I'm telling you, uh, and I don't, I don't push my books because, again, I'm speaking about, but in my first book, my autobiography from a trauma to triumph, Holocaust survivor, Israeli Air Force and healer in the United States, I share some of my excitement of being part, especially the beginning of Israel as a state. You know, in 49, became a 49. Glory. I was on a farm working. I was in a kibbutz. I was, I was. I'm telling you, my heart is full. This is part of me. I am who I am because all of my experiences. And I'm just lucky to be alive. Here I go again. Well, you know something? I, I just think that what you've done and how you've done it is absolutely the storytelling of all storytelling. I've never had a guest that have had the experiences that you have had. And I'm I'm just, I'm in awe of you. And you you (laughs) use perfect words that describe you. Just, it's like, watch me. I heard you say that. You're resilient. I heard you say that. But when you say life takes courage, tell me what that means to you. Um, there are, we are part of our DNA. Again, fear is part of it, fight or flight. It's the survival, and never mind the fittest. Uh, because as our ancestors, you know, in the bushes, the constant fear of a neighboring tribe taking over or, or a bear eating you up. So we have that when in doubt freak. We all do it. I do it too. So a light takes courage, meaning taking chances, living outside your box. Society knows what you should be doing or not, uh, your life. So it takes courage to stand out, to take a stand. Not many people have it, and I get it. I'm not a saint. But for me, where I come from, my mantra, again, it took courage I helped my mother drag my father when he came out from jail. I went to Tata. I'm a healer. I, again, I travel all over the world. 
I go in areas where it's dangerous. I mean, I said uh, last year I jumped out of a plane with my granddaughter in, in New Zealand. Uh, if you can do it, I can do it. Bobby, I worry about you, ta-ta-ta-ta. So courage means, without to be stupid, to take an adventure, to, to kind of sample life, to go outside your comfort box. And it does not have to be jumping out of a plane. Are you kidding me? Or being on Mount Everest with National Geographic, the only one, you know, with, you know in my 80s. I was just two years ago. So I have to prove something. So when I say life takes courage, it's not about me. It's about you, Marsha. Look at you. You have, you know what, as a female, uh, okay, we have a lot of opportunities in this country, and I love America. Are you kidding me? But taking the courage to start up your show, and I've just met you, but again, that takes courage, grit, to me, means perseverance. It doesn't happen overnight. It took me eight years to get a PhD. It took you six years to get where you're today. And the last one is gusto, gusto. Be grateful. Enjoy the moment. Because, again, the past is gone. The future may never be. Be in the moment and rejoice. Because everything is not what if, what if, regrets, stress shortens life. So my mantra, I have many mantras, but God's grit and gusto, wherever I lecture, and I must tell you very quickly because I'm very aware that the time frame, no, my no, no, grandson. plenty of time. Please, I, okay, I love sweet. the stories. Go. Okay, my sweetheart, here we go. Uh, you know what? I've spoken, like I said, as an international bestseller. By the way, I cannot believe my good fortune. Me, the little, short little girl from Transylvania. Yeah, I lived in Transylvania, too, and Dracula was my cousin. So, again, <laughs> for me to – oh, my gosh. Yeah, when my kids, they lived in Sepulveda, and there were a little bit anti-Semitism. So my kids were bullied. I lived in Sepulveda, Monroe High. So I told my kids – Tell them that your mother is from Transylvania and Dracula was her cousin. Don't mess with her. Guess what? The kids bullied less. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so my point being is it is an absolutely, absolutely amazing opportunity for all of us. So when I, when I speak, when I travel, when I speak uh, all over the world, and I traveled, I can tell you, um, it's like uh, I'm the citizen of the world, among other things. To go up in the Himalayan mountain and see those people that, you know, that smile without teeth, they seem to be happy. Go to Bangkok, go to Africa, whatever. So I, I feel they're so similar but different. And when it speaks about courage, people are scared. And I, and I get it. We, I mean, we, we have to watch out, but they're not our ancestors. They're not living in the bushes, and, 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 and the bear is not going to eat us, not, not city people. So I encourage people, to, I empower, it's almost the reason why I'm here, because don't tell me I cannot do it. That is my second book, and I wrote it specially, you know, for the, you know, uh, uh, UT, I lecture at UT in Austin, Texas quite a bit. So it's like 
distressors that they go through. So don't tell me I cannot do it. Living audaciously in the here and now is exactly what I encourage. So when I started to tell you that, uh, you know, I can speak all over the place, 4,000 people Zooming, you know, in, in, you know, all kind of things. But when I, by my grandson, Andrew Turk, he's now, he's already an attorney. He passed the bar right away and all that mm-hmm. at USC. That was last year. And he just graduated now, and he got this, whatever. So he wanted me to speak in front of the faculty and his, all his students, the class of, you know, last year. And I said, Andrew, are you sure? Aren't you nervous? He said, yeah. I said, I'm not <laughs> nervous when I talk to you, but my grandson. And so when it was all over, they lined up. They lined up to take selfies with me, you know, whatever. It was a really, I mean, electric. So when at night he called me Bobby, they called me Bobby, old lady, Babushka. So uh, he said, Bobby, they loved you. I said, what did they love about me? Well, you, you comfort them. They are so stressed. They're the last year of graduate. And you said, hey, stop it. Stop and smell the roses. Have a little bit balance. It's not about getting there, wherever you're going. It's, it's the process of getting there, but still there's a life. And stress shortens life because you're good people. You're very lucky. First of all, you must be smart. You're here at law school at USC. Then somebody had to pay for your bill. So, again, you are going to uh, put bad people in jail. You're going to rescue people. You're going to be irrelevant. But the stress, you might not get there. So hear me out. This weekend coming up, in between starting whatever, you know, get your friend. Go play ball. Go into whatever it is. Be in the moment as much as you can. So he says, they absolutely loved you. So I can tell you, Marsha. That or my, my granddaughter, she has a, she's teaching, you know, she's a teacher in graduation. She wants me to speak. Yeah, uh, you know, but hopefully, you know, with masks or whatever, um, she wants me to speak in for her class and her parents. I'm absolutely tickled that I am part of a family. Everybody doesn't have everything. I have two good kids and their partners and having five grandkids, and they all are hardworking, give me character. So everything, the only thing I'm missing is my partner. Well, right. again, I will never not be open. Do you hear me, Marsha? When we had the conversation last week, I told you the same thing. My energy and my, hey, I, I better not say I'm sexy. Oh, my gosh. I have, you know, but, but again, not likely, but I don't care because we all need to have balance in our life and being open to opportunities that life can offer us. So God's grit and God's to go together. Do something, anything, little things outside of your comfort zone. You don't have to be a rebel like me. Nobody wanted me to go to school. Nobody wanted me to go to the Air Force. Nobody wanted me to ta-ta-ta. But find something. Think about something because before we can do anything, we have to have a vision. Uh, No, don't be scared. You don't have to do anything at this moment. But envision something that you have pondered in the past but you've never tried. I'm too old, I'm this and that. I mean, age is a number. And just vision and go for it. And even if it takes a bit longer, you know, grit, so what? Again, it doesn't have to be something 
uh, unusual, unusual for you, because that's what gives us meaning to life, adventure, the excitement of getting up in the morning, uh, that prolongs life. Uh, and guess what? My last book, Chronologically Gifted, I wanted to know how long do I have a chance to live. So I researched all over the world, and this is my last, it's my best-selling book, Chronological Gifted, Living Healthily to 123 or something like that. It's like, why 123? Because uh, Bonnet Bonnet in, in France, she lived till 122 in 65 days. So if she lived till 122 in 65 days, I can <laughs> live till 123. I can be in the book of Guinness, huh? and, you know, look at me. If I can do it, you can do it. So there's a long life left. So don't be hostage to the age number. So, it, right. again, uh, what, the, what I found out, and we all know it, is, uh, okay, eating well, you know, wiggling, uh, never mind exercise, run, whatever we do, part of the community, uh, you know, it's more than us. When we give, we get. And faith is a wonderful thing when you have it. And I don't know about faith. I struggle with the concept of God, but I know there's more than meets the eye. I'm not Einstein. There's a certain, I mean, there's a certain power, there's certain things I'll never understand. They're all interconnected. The whole universe. Can you imagine? In rocks, in tsetse flies, we all have similar kind of DNA pools. So, yeah, it's exciting. So when my granddaughter, I had, a, I had a little bit of a hoarse voice, and this is my business. Can you imagine me not be able to talk, right? I talk with you, but I'm a little bit raspy. So Talia uh, texted me, Bobby, how are you doing? I said, I'm alive. So she said, is, <laughs> that is the most important. And then I text back, and giving and getting love. We are never too old touching at, you know, giving compliments to people, just touch somebody, uh, that kind of kindness, uh, energy, positive, you know, interaction with the universe prolongs life, and it's all about me. I want to live to 123. Do you hear me, Marsha? If I can do it, you can do it? I hear you, and you know what? <laughs> I, I must tell you, Erica, I have been doing this for six years, uh-huh. and I am so taken by you that you are probably one of a small handful of guests that I have had, and you can imagine that's hundreds of guests that I have not interrupted because you, when you speak, it's like that, what was that, E.F. Hutton. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. (laughs) When you speak, I can't help but listen. And you, you said something that struck me that I wanted to go back to because I could relate to some of what you said, and that is when you talked about being a citizen of the world, I too have had the great fortune of doing a tremendous amount of traveling. And of all of the places that I've been, it was South Africa and Botswana and Zimbabwe that were the mm-hmm. most amazing, gratifying experiences. Not only if somebody was to say, okay, well, just tell me, what, what was it, Marcia? What was it about that country? What was it? And I, the first thing I would say was it was the people. It didn't matter if you were driving a BMW in Johannesburg 
or if you were a small child in um, an orphanage, you had a smile on your face. Those children in the orphanage in Soweto were just as joyful as the person driving that BMW. I was just blown away by the perfect joy of every person I came in contact with in Africa. And I honestly, I had some of those similar experiences in Vietnam. When people feel grateful, it comes across. When you talk, your gratefulness, it comes across. And, um, and I think that that's what makes you so interesting, which is why, of course, why wouldn't your grandchildren want you speaking? You are the consummate storyteller. And what I think is so interesting and what I admire so much about you, Erica, you are not telling somebody else's story. It's not like, let me see what I can make up here. You are telling your story. As you mentioned, you have written three books. And I I love the titles of your books, From Trauma to Triumph. Don't tell me I can't do it. I mean, come on now. And then Gifted Aging with Gusto. Because you, my friend, have put it out into the universe that you want to be in that Guinness Book of Records. Now, for those of us that are already into our mid-70s, I may have to have you send me a letter to heaven when that happens. But I just think that... What you stand for, how you conduct your life is just, it is just so remarkable because you have dealt with trauma. And some people, when they deal with trauma, can't really get over it. And I guess I'd be curious to know, as you look back and the trauma that you did experience, how were you how did you find your way to deal with that trauma how did you, and i'm sure that that's in your book but could you tell us a little bit more about that okay that is that is uh, the word that comes to mind is resilience some of us are more resilient than others and when i look back the first time uh, when I, I did not know that the virtue is resilient, but when I was seven years old, here we go again, I was in this castle train shoved in with all those people, and we were kind of like in the back. Uh, I, I was pushed like in the back of the of the cattle train, and there were stations. Every time they opened, stopped the station, they pushed in some more refugees, and they were hitting in, 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 in with bayonets. It's called Romanian had those sticks, like like you know, it's like you know this very sharp kind of thing, and just poking and all that. So and then it closed again. It was such a mayhem. So I was, I was there in the back, next to very close to my mother, my sister, my father was a little bit further away, and I just started to detach myself. Obviously, it came, it came spontaneously. I started to sing to myself the noise of the train 
ta, 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 schmutzige Juden, dirty Jews, ta, 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 ta. I was singing to myself to comfort myself while we were in the midst of that horrible, horrible that nobody should ever experience. So that to me is the first thing flashing. I took care. So, yeah, I kind of comforted myself. So that was the first time mm-hmm. I just had this 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 vision where did i get it from my sister five years older she was wailing and crying all the time i had to be even later in the camp i had to be strong for mama so to me i'm not a monster i have feelings but i'm very detached that's why i was so good at night maneuver in israel when i was there at night you know, close to the border. Never mind the potential enemy, we mean with a gun. But there were creepy crawlers, there were snakes and what have you. So to me, to have that grit, to have that perseverance and courage, the country needs me. I have to overcome. So the very slew of things that happened to me in graduate school, uh, in, in legal psychiatry, where my third year internship, the, the lead psychiatrist, he was from Cuba. He could not stand my accent. And I guess I reminded him of his family. He almost got me expelled from the program. I cannot understand you, whatever. So he gave me an, a not sufficient. The other psychiatrists from the previous, from the previous semester saw that I'm absolutely I would be the greatest therapist, this and that. So I almost flunked out. So I, mm. I'm a problem solver. So I got me a lawyer. I mean, the students, I was, the students in the hallways, they wouldn't even look at me because if it could happen to me, it could happen to them. But I got me a lawyer, and guess what? I made, we made such a stink that he was prejudiced, and I continued, and I graduated. So I mm. can give you many, many examples how mm-hmm. even now, you know what? Don't complain. Unless you're dying, you know, what can you do with the baby you cannot do? And I'm a little bit harsh, and my daughter had a really hard time with me, because unless you're dying, you go to school. To me, mm-hmm. a meaning to life is death, and courage takes to kind of try to figure out, because we are alone in the world, Marsha. Yeah, we better have some people that care about us, but we don't ask to be born, and sometimes we're all alone when we die. Look at all these COVID people that cannot even have their mm-hmm. family touch their hand when they're t- dying. So okay. I'm going to share one, one more not normal thing that please don't get, don't get concerned, audience. Uh, I, I'm not normal, but I embrace myself. <laughs> I like it. I have mm-hmm. a custom-made casket in the front of my bed. I had an artist paint me as an angel with a white dress, which, by the way, I bought a white dress. I have white boots. Uh, so I will be buried in a dress, and it's like having my hands up, like, you know, to heaven. And I'm going mm-hmm. to have a party, not right now with the COVID, but I'm going to have a party with all those youngins that follow me, my daughter's friends, my son's friends, my neighborhood friends, uh, to get the grip. It's not if, it's when. And meaning to life is death. So don't waste a moment for the regrets. You know what? Be in the moment. Do what you need to do. Read my last book, or maybe not. What will it take? Never mind what age. 
because they, whoever they are, I don't know, they say we pick our time of death. So years ago, I used to tell my son, he's going to be 57. So I used to say, I'm going to live till 100 plus. Uh, I, you know, the rabbi said, oh, my gosh, you're going to live till 120. I said, boring, rabbi. 120 is in the Bible. I want to live 123. So my son used to say, mother, who wants to live that long? Yuck. <laughs> he's not saying that anymore because things are changing slowly but there are more of people like me I'm not the only one so again your audience don't surrender to the notion that you're 60 70 80 and you have to fiddle your tongue go outside find connect yourself with something do something out of the ordinary I don't care because there is a chance that you may be able to live long and well. Not just living, are you kidding me? If your brain, if you do new things, any new things, okay, the neurons are celebrating. They're reinventing themselves. So it's never too late. And guess what? I want to live to 123, Marsha. Tomorrow I could be a corpse. So I cannot control it. I'll do everything I can. And I can tell you, and you have not met me physically, I hope you do, I, I'm a spitball. I walk every day three miles, okay? I do a, an hour of, of, of you know, aerobics every day with weights and this and that. I can see myself being 10 years, 20 years, you know, similar. I look at myself like a laboratory. Yeah, my skin is a little bit thinner. My bladder is not what it used to be. Big deal. But again, I had a little bit help with my face. So what? I look wonderful. I feel wonderful. And I plan to live till 123. If I don't, if I'm there tomorrow, I'm there tomorrow. My bill is done. I even wrote in the casket is there. is what I wanted to be told. Don't cry over me, Argentina. Uh, celebrate my life. Follow me. Whatever it is. So... There's, there's, I am, you know what? I'm in the moment. So I, I hope that your audience, that you take note, and mm-hmm. you cannot be bothered what if, what if. We need to be in the present, have some vision for the future. If it happens, fine. If not, not. And it sucks. Losses absolutely suck, but nothing. We can do it. That's destiny. We have to control our life, but then we have to resign to, you know, to destiny, whatever that is. Does that make sense, Marsha? It makes, you know, like I said, you and I have, have spoke prior to coming on the show, and I loved you in that first conversation right off the top. Nothing's changed. And, you know, you've, you've said some absolutely brilliant things, which explains why you are an international speaker, because crowds of people just want to sit in awe and listen to you, because you're not just saying what you want, what you think people want to hear. That isn't you at all. You are saying what you do and what you believe and who you are at your core. And you're not the least bit confused. It it makes me think somewhat of my husband when he would say it is what it is. Because it is what it is. And if you can adapt to it is what it is, which is clearly the way you've lived your life, then that kind of takes some of the the pressure off. There's people like myself that sort of have that anxiety side of life. And when when I... take that yoga breath and I take that walk like what you've said, you know, it does calm me down and it does make me 
think about living life and 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 you know you 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 said something that was really interesting and I thought maybe you could expand on this just a little bit. I know that you absolutely believe in living in the moment, but what do you think is the difference between living long and living well? Oh, there is no I mean there's no comparison. If I I want to live forever, but when uh, when I am not well, I don't mean having a stomach ache. I should be able to die. So it's not just living. It's living, not just living long, living well. And that's what comes in purpose and passion. It's not just about living. Some people, my mother-in-law, I'm so sorry, uh, she doesn't hear me, I don't think. She's in, she, she, I didn't like the woman, okay, for lots of reasons. So she, she lived till 94. When she was about 60, she kept on waiting to die. And again, lamenting her friends, she loses her friends, this and that. So my point being is things are changing slowly. So my point being is be engaged in life so it's not i don't want you to misunderstand me or your audience it's not just living because some people and and all of us know some they literally they they before they kind of they kind of cave in and they recline and and they stop when you stop engaging it's like i make a difference there is a group of women they call it they call us M&M, Miller Muse, I'm the muse, okay, uh, from the community. I live in Hidden Hills, and they come once a month. So they, one of them said, oh, my gosh, you changed my life, because here she retired, uh, you know, Jill. So she was 62, I guess. And I said to her when we had a conversation, you retired to what? So she says, I started thinking. And then she got involved mm-hmm. in real estate, whatever. So she said, without you questioning me, retire to what? So no, if they are privileged, they close one door, they open another in order for us to be in, engaged and relevant so we can live longer, healthy, the best we can. We're going to have some condition, repair and maintenance. And not everybody is as lucky as me because a little bit DNA, I have some good genes, you know, but too. So, by the way, I went on 23 in me. I don't know. Did you have it done, you know, the genes to, you, to find your No, pool? you know, I thought about doing that. That's really interesting. And then I just, it just escaped me because my daughter actually said that that would be something that would be kind of cool. Uh, I, I didn't end up doing it. Really cool. So when I, because my daughter, she's the one that initiates. She's an adventurer too. Mother, let's do it. I said, okay, fine. And it was really interesting because you have to spit in the tube. I didn't right. realize it takes a long time to come up with that spit. It's not just one <laughs> spit comes out. Okay, so that's number one. It was something new, right? New and novel. And then when it came back, it was really life affirming for me. Just hear that out, Marcia. It says from the negative that it looks like that I might be lactose intolerant. Fine, I have goat milk. I kind of, you know, I kind of know it a little bit, but I'm not completely. So the negative, I'm lactose intolerant. Everybody should be that lucky. But the positive is that I have a, a um, I have a disposition. I have my whatever, like an athlete, that I am absolutely mm-hmm. healthy. I mean, outside my norm. 
uh, I have no, the, the doctor cannot get over. I just said, I'm not bragging, I'm just sharing. So, yeah, he said, my, 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 my immune system, my everything, I don't take any medication, and absolutely. So, yeah, a little bit, we are lucky to have a little bit good, you know, DNA in our gene pool. But we are not our gene pool. We can catch it early, and what's happening right now, Marsha, with this personal, you know, medicine, with the genome splitting, with the Casper, what they are doing, I mean, it's absolutely amazing that people will be easily live till 150, and not just living, but living well, they, in the rats, they are, are experimenting, giving, you know, the blood from young rats to old rats, and the old rats are absolutely running around like crazy. So there is a whole technology in medicine together. So I just hate the thought that I have to die someday because with this space, with the medicine, so exciting to just be alive. So, again, mm-hmm. attitude. My cap is always half full, not empty. So if somebody, I can inspire somebody, hey, Sometimes life sucks. Big deal. What can you do vis-a-vis what you cannot do? And reach out. Touch someone. Make sure to not be isolated, to have how many people do we need. But we need to be part of a community, part of a family, if we are lucky to have it, or just make things happen at any age. I have now those young friends. We travel together. I have this last weekend. I went on a horse, and I, you know, for the first time, and I have pictures that are going to appear on my blog. By the way, my website, check me out, because, again, you can see I'm not fake news. So, yeah, we need to reach out. My, all my friends, I never had any friends. I didn't have time. And women my age were an extension of their husband, their kids. Boring. So when my husband died, the few that are left, shame on me. I cut them off because I don't want to hear about the physical conditions and about the life is over and the regrets and all that kind of thing. So now that I have a different chapter in my life, I have all those young people, just like you, because 60, 70 is young compared to me. And I brag about my age. If I can do it, you can do it. But I'm engaged. They call me. They come. They call me muse. I'm one of the girls. I'm not their therapist. So I'm so excited. I just hope that life continues to be generous to me, continue my gift of life till there's no more, because I know what I can control, what not. Cut. Gosh. If, if you're out there listening to this <laughs> and you're trying to think, what is Marsha going to ask her next? Because I'm just sitting there and oh, I feel like I'm in the audience and there's somebody working the audience, you know, and you raise your hand and then you hold up a card and you say, may I ask Dr. Miller this question? So I do want to say for those of you that are listening, and, and if you haven't actually seen what this vivacious woman looks like and if you haven't visited her website i really like to spell this out for people because not everybody might spell erica the same way so i'm going to spell it for those of you that are listening that might want to be listening live and checking her website it will also be absolutely included in my follow-up blog for you erica but you can find erica in dr erica and it's dr E-R-I-C-A Miller. That's M-I-L-L-E-R dot com. D-R 
E-R-I-C-A-M-I-L-L-E-R.com is where you will find Erica. And you will not only then have an opportunity to visit her website and see her books, but you will be able to see some videos of what you call authentic conversations, which is I don't think you know how to be anything other than authentic, I I mean, (laughs) to be honest with you. And you know something? Here's the interesting thing about you. And... The reason that it isn't difficult to be authentic is because you are real. You're not really on this show to impress anybody. You are on this show to provide maybe some inspiration for somebody that's feeling a little let down right now, like, dang, did she did she just say she climbed Mount Everest? Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Did you when did you do that? I did that two years ago. Uh, three years before, I went all by myself, I wanted to know, uh, to Panama, uh, to, to uh, Machu Picchu, to Peru. Oh and I yep. went up 11,000 feet to the yes. Inca trails with a small group of uh, smart tours. So I figured, I figured, it just to prove that I can do it with all those youngins. I did not know that I could, but it was 11,000 feet. I did not know high altitude. I didn't bother to read what you're supposed to bring. But I'm telling you, again, Dracula was my cousin. I, I'm not normal. So I was more than fine. So then I thought to myself, ah, if I, did, if I did that and I could, how about Mount Everest? It sounds, Himalayan mountain, it sounds great. So again, uh, I signed up with National Geographic. They have small groups because most people are a part of couples, friends. I just travel by myself if I don't travel with my kids, which I do once a year or twice a year. So, so again, did not know that I could it. And I can tell you, going up there, and I have all those pictures in, on, on the Internet, whatever, to be up there in the Himalayan mountain, the appreciation for my life, looking those people without teeth and smiling, like you said, the same thing, mm-hmm. by the way, in Thailand, you know, in Bangkok, I mean, same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, just when you're friendly, you reach out, you ask them questions, they're just engaging. So I thought, okay, I will try. And the end of the trip, I can tell you again, it's like life-affirming for me because I thought I would die, next day I would be dead. Remember the little window when I was seven and I wanted to die pretty? So, so when I, at the end, we all sat together and sang, affirming the trip, how nice it was. So this one person, yeah, all of them, they're 50s and 60s. 60 was the old. So I was there in my 80s. It was two years ago. So uh, there are pictures on the Internet, okay? So uh, one said... Uh, you know what, the trip was wonderful, amazing, but without Erica, it would not have been the same. She's such an example that we can opt for. So that to me is life affirming. So then that was two years ago. So then last year, and it's such a compliment that my granddaughters, you know, they, they asked me to travel with them and their friends. So yeah, Talia, we went to New Zealand, Auckland with Shana, her friend. So, so when, when we went there and she said, I'm going to go and fl- uh, jump out. She's a devil like me too, Talia. Mm-hmm. So she will jump out. So I said, you know, if you can do it, I can do it. Bobby, what, what if, what if you, you know, it, a parachute doesn't open? I said, Talia, it will not be your fault if the parachute will not open. What a way to exit the world. So, yeah, I am, I, I planned I plan, Mount Fuji, I plan to be, uh, when everything is over, I plan to 
to, to go up on Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa because I like the name and because I am in training. I never stop. I walk every day three miles and sometimes more because I get listless. The day is very long, Marsha. You have a husband. Yes. I don't know your lifestyle. No, I do but not. Again, no. Oh, Keep in okay, mind, okay. I do not have okay. a husband. My husband okay. just okay. died 12 okay, years ago. That's okay. Okay, here we but go. But I understand. Yeah. I understand what you've just said because I, too, have to get out and walk. You have to. It cuts, never mind the oxygen to the brain and all that kind of thing, but it really it cuts my day because the day is long. I'm very engaged, whatever, but it's too early before 7. So when I walk, when I'm going to finish with you, uh, it's kind of not too warm today. Uh, I have, it's like a cul-de-sac to the end of the street is three miles. So I walk, and then sometimes, like around 5 o'clock, you know, but it's too early to make myself a plate, whatever. I like to sit down at 7 o'clock and then, you know, between CNN and then Hallmark or, or Discovery Channel, whatever I do. Because, again, I live with myself by choice. I will never leave my home. I sometimes walk two or three times to just kind of takes me an hour and a half to just fill in the day. How wonderful way to fill in the day instead of sit on my tush. I cannot read anymore. I cannot do anymore whatever I cannot do. So, again, they're speaking about problem solving, being resilient. What can I do in order to keep my life going, engage the best I can? Because it is can be kind of like lonely. I have as hyper and manic as you hear me to be, I know I must have a depressed core because when my family, everybody said, don't go back to school. Are you crazy? You believe your husband with your kids and, and those crazy psychiatrists. And I knew if I will not follow my heart, I will just absolutely retrieve and get depressed. I just needed to become a healer. So, yeah, there is a low course. Sometimes I get low because, you know, my kids are good kids, but have their own life, especially weekend. I get a little bit listless, but then I go to the markets. I do. I figure out what do I do in order to take care of myself. And, again, so that's what everybody needs to do. So if I inspire anybody today, your audience, to, you know, you know what, I don't know it all, but I know a lot. It is like resilience means what can you do in order to enrich your life. And the formulas, and you probably know it. I'm not patronizing. You are an adult. Mere fact that you're listening to Marsha here and you are the audience, it means you want to grow. Because remember, we are all in the process of evolving forever until we check out. And again, if I can do it, you can do it. Don't just sit and just, okay, ready to, to check out. Okay? That's you what know, I it's, You know, it's really, it's really um, fascinating, the technology of all that we do together. Um, you were not aware of this, but I was over here thinking how ironic that you live in the moment and that the living in the moment is so vital. While you were just talking these last couple of moments, I've had the experience from people that have been on my show where their call will automatically, for no ex explanation, the call just drops. And it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I hope you call back. Well, guess what just happened? While you were speaking, my call dropped. I was not connected to my own show. And I thought, you've got to be kidding. 
And I thought, okay, take a deep breath, call back in. You should be able to pick up. Maybe you are announcing that you weren't even there and your audience is clueless about that. But why I'm telling you that is because you are inspiring, because you don't just talk the talk. You walk the walk. And and, and everybody might not do, want to do everything that you've done. You know, everybody, different strokes. I don't hear you saying, well, if you want to live a life like mine, well, this is what you need to do. No, mm-hmm. everybody needs to walk their own path. Why mm-hmm. I enjoy doing this so much, Erica, is because everybody's path is not the same. Everybody walks right. their own path. But you said something about the importance of purpose. And if you are 7, if you are 50, if you are 70, and maybe you haven't quite figured out what that is, it's not too late. This Amen. Is a, you are a, right. You are the perfect example of that. Are you a little bit funky and, and a little bit out there? Hell yes, you are. you got a casket all painted up and ready to go. I don't know uh-huh. too many people that do that, but that was important <laughs> to you. I mean, uh-huh. so come on. You get to do uh-huh. that. And, you uh-huh. know, I... I, I, I wonder, do you know how you hear people talk about, well, do you have a bucket list? You know, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, what could be on this woman's bucket list? Well, you talked about you want to go to Mount, uh, no, you want to go to um, Kilimanjaro. Uh, Kilimanjaro, right. And you must have to, you know, I've, I was in Peru as well, and you went to Machu Picchu, and trust me, we were very much advised on how to deal with the altitude and the mata that they drink that they suggest that you drink mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. in your body and understanding what kind of altitude that can do that you need to be somewhat prepared to do something like that so i know mm-hmm. you don't just say well i don't need to prepare i'll just show up and i'll be there i'm sure that you prepare but I'm just curious, between your adventures, do you, do you have another book that's just brewing there that you just want to work on, or are you kind of through writing for right now? You know what, again, uh, nothing, nothing talks to me because I've said it all. Uh, uh-huh. It's kind of like what was important to me. But I don't know. I hear it from other people. When are you going to come up with something else? So I don't feel pressures. I don't do anything Good. that I don't want to do. So who knows? I kind of like I'm, I'm very, you know, I, I'm, I'm in control of my life, ta-ta-ta, but I'm also very open and spontaneous. So I have no idea. I know that uh, not everybody ever gets a position to me. Like I don't do anything I don't want to. And I got rid people that are toxic, negative, they drag you down. So I have cut off people that are, they cannot help it uh, kindly. I just am not available. If you have somebody in the family that are a little bit negative, it's a different, different mm-hmm. story. You have to learn how to navigate. But being able to be in charge, uh, you know, what you want to do, what not to do, that's such a privilege. So I may or may not, I just zero in uh, as far as continuing to uplift or empower 
it's like Dracula with blood. And, yeah, it's wonderful to talk to you. But, again, I like the audiences, interactive. And as soon as it's over, I already have engagement in October. In the meantime, because of podcasts or because of radio shows like you, uh, when, when things are normal, I like to travel like crazy. And, by the way, all those places you were in Africa, I was too, and I have the same experience like you. The only thing addition is that I don't talk to animals or to little kids. They make, they're too hyper, just like me. But again, mm-hmm. being in the bush in Botswana and being with, in the jeep in, in the early morning, late at night, mm-hmm. to see the kingdom animals, how they're so much like us, with their families. The big elephant looks behind to see the little, cow, the little elephant polos, or seeing, you know, mourning a dead like elephants around it, or seeing, you know, the, uh, you know, the hyenas, whatever it is, but it's like life affirming to me how interconnected we are. Who do we think we are? There are monkeys in suit, and I collect monkeys. You should see all the monkeys from all over the world because it's like, yeah, a friendly reminder that, yeah, where we come from, and we are also, we need to engage and to touch and to, to aggregate because we are part of a tribe. We are part of a group, and we are stronger because of it. So, yeah. I share that experience with you, so uh, and a lot of other ones because uh, it's just exciting to me to kind of connect with others. They're not all alone. I don't know about the space part, but again, uh, so I hope I answered you the question. So we you are did. not connected, just you and just you and me, baby. No, and you know it's 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 true. Um, I'm not as adventurous as you are, and that's that I'm not I'm perfectly fine with that but when you were starting to talk about the monkeys um, and being in Africa also I've I've been in Costa Rica you've probably been in Costa Rica as well Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I'm very taken by the animal world just as you said you know um, I was on when we were we went on safari not a, um, a gun safari obviously but a photography safari but we were out in the jeep just as you were very early in the morning and we actually saw a kill and the and we saw a lion take down a wildebeest first the lion came the the she came from the the female she came from one end and to the wildebeest and then another female came to the rear end of the wildebeest and it was kind of like you you don't want to look but you look and but you don't want to look and you're looking and then you know what that was at dusk the very next morning we went to that same location and there was the pride there was the lion there were the cubs everyone was feeding and you thought, okay, this is how it works. They are taking care of their pride, mm-hmm. and their mm-hmm. their cubs need to eat. And that is just like the, that's that song, like the circle of life. You know, right. it, it's it's right. very interesting. And when you travel, and I and I know you can relate to this, is that it gives you this distinct poss- uh, opportunities to talk with people that maybe you wouldn't ordinarily have ever got to meet, to understand their lifestyle. I mean, all over. I mean, it's just, 
it, it's a blessing that came to me that just was of happenstance because of a very close friend of mine that was working at a local university here. And at that university, she worked in the executive MBA office. Her name is Shelley. And part of their executive MBA process was international travel. And it was the year after Butch had passed, and she said, hey, why don't you come with me? And that's and and where we went, the, the very first place we went was to Peru, and also we went to Argentina, Buenos Aires. But life is so wonderful, and we have choices. We can choose to look at, you know, that song from the musical, Always Look at the Bright Side of Life. We can mm-hmm. choose to do that, and that doesn't mean it's easy. And I don't want to make it sound like, oh, this has just been a snap, because it, it's not a snap. But when we are mindful, as you are, and when we live in the moment and wake up and say, I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful, I'm healthy, I have a roof over my head, I actually thank, <gasps> this will sound silly, I actually thank my hot water in the shower every morning. Thank you for this hot water. You know, you, because you know something, I visualize a homeless woman in this community that brings me to tears, and I think, when was the last time that woman had a hot shower? I'm so grateful for my life. And, and it's important to be grateful for our lives. And clearly, from a very young age, you understood that. And that's what makes you so remarkable and so unique. And this, this show was, was, some, was a show I was truly looking forward to because I knew that what you were going to talk about was going to touch every single person that listened. And thanks to your publicist, Jerry, I have a new friend because of her. And I just, I'm grateful, Erica. I'm, I'm truly grateful that you've spent this hour with me. I think that whatever adventures that you're on, we can all follow along. And as, as you said at the very beginning, when you say you're a storyteller, you are every podcaster's dream guest. Thank because you. while I Thank might have you. had some questions here I wanted to ask you, it really didn't seem relevant. What seemed relevant was your story. And I just I am I am tremendously grateful that you've taken the time to join me today as I begin this continual journey on the Born to Talk Radio Show podcast. Thank you so so much. It's mutual because when you give, you get. I have a natural high. I'm high on life. I'm like Big Jagger, and I'm not on drugs. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's it. That's Thank my finale. You. Okay. That's well. Uh, you know what? If this is how you can be high on life, then I say grab it. Grab that <laughs> gusto. Grab that grit, and just live life to the fullest. Because we don't know how long we're going to be here, but as long as we're here. Why not live it to the very best? And that is what I would say to all of you listening. Erica, thank you so very much. I look forward maybe, um, you know, I'll tell you what, when you make that next trip, 
and you conquer that next adventure, you need to come back and share that with all of us because everybody's going to want to know. So thank you again for for being just an outstanding gift guest with me today. Okay, thank you back. Thank you back. Uh-huh. I give you I give you a bosom hug. Okay. Okay. Bye for now, everybody.